0: Hi everybody, it's Jenny. And this is Alexa. And we're back with another edition of Checked Out, Out, the Lexington Library podcast. Uh, Today, in honor of Mother's Day, we're talking about some of our favorite moms, Um, both fictional and not fictional, but Mm -hmm. all you can find in books at the library. Uh, So let's start with fiction, who our favorite fictional mothers are. Uh, Alexis, do you want to go first?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, So I know that we do have a couple that are the same on our list, so I'll I'll save those for just a minute. Um, One mom that I included on my list um, is a more contemporary book series um it's by n.k jemisin uh it's one like every single book in the series has won the hugo it's phenomenal um, it's, it's science fiction right it is sci-fi yeah okay. it's it's hard to explain <laughs> the broken earth trilogy is the name of the trilogy as a whole um, the books in order are the fifth season the obelisk gate and the stone sky um so it is sci-fi technically um it's it's very much a dystopia um, it is set in this world that is in basically the throes of an apocalypse. The series starts with a son, the main character. Um, her she comes home to her to her house one day and her son has been murdered, and her f- husband is gone, and he has taken her daughter.
0: We are starting this off on a really dark.
1: It's really dark, but it's so good. <laughs> and she's such a good mom. and so the the premise of the entire series is her doing everything in her power to track down her husband and get her daughter back that is the driving force of the entire trilogy um and it's literally just she basically walks across a continent to find her daughter and get her daughter back from her husband um and it's so good it's a it's a hard read i will say it's if you're not into hard sci-fi if you're not willing to like learn an entirely new language you have to learn what origins are you have to learn about like the physics of moving rock with your mind there's like a whole lot of nuances there's a lot of world building that goes into this series um, but if you're into heavy sci-fi if you're into um if you're into learning learning about an entirely new world as you kind of progress um, and that's the
0: appeal of sci-fi a lot of the time it is it's to sort it of is. immerse yourself in a different world
1: exactly and the world building in it is incredible i mean she's she's one hugo's for it so it's like Obviously, it's good to um, <laughs> just give those away to anybody. Um, she's a phenomenal writer. I would, I would highly recommend it. All of the main characters are, are people of color, which is really cool, and it's something that you don't always see in a lot of sci-fi, sure. um, particularly in heavy sci-fi dystopias, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, but, I mean, Asen is just such a cool character. I mean, and the way that the first novel is told, I don't want to get too much into it because it would be really easy to spoil um, the fifth season, and I don't want to do that for anybody because it's such a phenomenal read. Um, it's, it's told in three parts, and so there are three different narrators of the fifth season, um, but Esan's story of her basically just going on this journey. And so she is an origin, which means that she can move the earth with her mind. Um, people who are origins in her world are very much feared. Everyone is afraid of them because they can cause earthquakes. Um, origin children are really volatile, and when a kid gets mad... And if they are an origin, they can cause earthquakes and they can like turn people to rock. And it's my really... kid
0: thinks he can cause
1: earthquakes. <laughs> it's very exactly. dangerous. So you can imagine a kid having a tantrum sure. who has the ability to actually cause earthquakes would be very very frightening. Um, so so there's a lot of kind of fraught tension there. Of uh, she's trying to go from these settlement to settlement in this post apocalyptic world, hide the fact that she is an origin and get through and find her daughter and bring her daughter back. Um, and it's just such a such a moving book. Um, and it really is at its core, even though it is such heavy sci-fi. it's it's a story of motherhood and it's the story of a mom trying to to do what's best for her kids.
0: Well, to jump in a little bit, this is not sci-fi. this is more magical realism. Mm-hmm. Um, one of mine was Ursula from a Hundred Years of Solitude. right. Again, she's sort of the matriarch of this family. And if you've never read a Hundred Years of Solitude, it is like nothing else that you've ever read, quite frankly. Uh, it's it's its own genre, really, of fiction, but it's a story of a family in a fictional um, Latin American country or, or province called Maconda, and Ursula is the matriarch of this family, and her husband, Jose, is the one who sort of founded this this area. Um, they have several children and then several grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and the book spans all these different generations, and Ursula lives to be well past 100 She's a force to be reckoned with in so many ways, but the best part is when the men kind of give up, she says, no, I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for you to be weak-willed and, you know, wander off and and sit and think about things. Like, just, just do it, get it done. Mm-hmm. So I like her can-do attitude.
1: Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of another mom that I know made both of our lists is Ramona Quimby's mom yeah. from the Ramona books, um, who is kind of like the definition of a get-stuff-done mom. Yeah. Um, I know that probably... Most everyone has read the Ramona books. Well, and I, I know I think as that, a kid,
0: yeah. I didn't. I didn't like Ramona's parents very much. Mm-hmm. I, I liked her dad, but I thought her mom was kind of cold. And then you go back and read it as an adult, and particularly as a working mom. Yeah, you know, you're, you're like, I so identify with you, Mrs. Quimby. I'm awesome. Yeah, yeah she's, she's fantastic. She's
1: amazing. Her her husband loses her job and or loses his job mm-hmm. in one of the books, and she goes back to work. She yep. had been a stay at home mom to save money whenever the kids were born, and so her husband loses his job. She just goes jumps right back into yep. the workforce. Um, and, and starts bringing home money. And I, re- one of the scenes that most stuck with me from all of the Ramona books, um, is the scene where, uh, Beezus and Ramona realize that they have been served, uh, beef tongue for yes, dinner. Yes, I
0: think that's everybody. That sticks with everybody.
1: It, it's, it's just, like, ingrained in my memory. And it, Ramona's mom is just like, look, guys, we didn't have money. This was cheap. I tried to do my best with it like you didn't even realize what it was until you started like scraping off all the other stuff I put on it to try and make it into a lovely dinner for you yeah and she's basically just like explaining herself and trying to get her kids to understand like this is what this is what we're gonna have to do um and she's trying to just she she just is such a great example of a person just making the best out of a bad situation absolutely and I think that's what Beverly Cleary did best um in those books is she really portrayed like real life situations like real working class people um with just like real actual problems that you would encounter like in a family situation like that and I think that it was really rare back then to have a book when parents do fight sure. like she she portrays mystery and mrs quimby as having like like real like married couple like arguments and then they make up and it's like this is just something that Adults do. It's not. It doesn't mean we're going to get a divorce. It doesn't mean the world is ending. Yeah, we just had an argument.
0: Absolutely, it's it's helpful for kids to see that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. She was the first to really portray parents as, as very normal human beings.
1: Yeah, they they weren't they weren't like roll doll adults like. Horrible, evil, bad guys who were out to get kids. They were just normal people. They weren't perfect.
0: That's true. Yeah. To be said, though, Miss Honey shows up on a lot of lists <laughs> of best parents uh, in literature. That's true. The teacher in Matilda, who becomes Matilda's mother. Correct, yeah. Um, you'll Which never is, convince she... me that Rhea Perlman is, in, is is truly a bad mother. Um, but she plays <laughs> one in the movie very very convincingly. Fun fact
1: about me, I thought Danny DeVito was Roald Doll until I was sure. like 10 years old. Because sure. he narrated that film. <laughs>
0: Uh, (laughs) I was convinced. (laughs) Slight side note, um, Raoul Dahl's uh, daughter and granddaughter have written a book, like a cookbook. I guess cooking is very important in their family, and they talk about he, as a father and grandfather, would wake them up sometimes, like in the middle of the night, and say they were going hunting for, and he'd make up a name for some magical creature. And he'd pile them into the car, and they'd drive out in the English countryside, and he'd have thermoses of hot chocolate, and they'd sit under Aww. a blanket, and they'd watch the stars. And it was like this magical thing that he invented for them.
1: That's so sweet. I know! Rob doll sounds <laughs> awesome! I know, yeah. He, that's, that's really cool. What a cool memory to have. Is it like traditional like Welsh recipes and stuff? I know I they were remember. Welsh. I yeah. don't
0: remember. I, I heard them on a food podcast. Oh, Talking about it, okay. um, but I know his his also his granddaughter Sophie Doll um, is also a she was a model and then she turned into like a food mm-hmm. writer. She has some cookbooks as well. Cool. Um, another English mom we both had on our list, Molly Weasley.
1: Yes, classic. I mean. I, I think that you probably had this experience too. But when we were compiling our lists of our favorite literary moms, it's hard to find examples of really great moms yeah, <laughs> in literature. Nobody wants to write about good moms, um, so it's kind of few and far between as far as as far as that goes. Molly Weasley is an, an example of just like a great mom, mm-hmm. phenomenal. What it like just I you can't really say anything bad about her. No, absolutely. She takes She's... Harry in and she treats him like one of her own, and she sends him Christmas presents, and she loves all of her kids so much and. She, it's hard on him when she needs to be. Yeah, she's... she's
0: I would not want to howler from Mrs. Weasley. No, I don't think she's, anybody would.
1: she's very no-nonsense. Um, but you, you know that she loves all seven of her children, eight if you include Harry, <laughs> equally. Um, she's, she's great. And every mom wants her
0: magical clock. It yeah. tells you where everyone
1: in the family is yes. at all times. That's fantastic. I know. I yeah, Molly Weasley is just a great character all around. I, again, howler from her probably not. No. Not the best scenario. But
0: <laughs> another one I think we both had on our list who comes up constantly as a quintessential mom is Marmy from Little Women. Yes. I have yet to read, you know, anything about moms in literature that doesn't mention Marmy. She's yes. just the she's just the, the common thread. Getting
1: stuff done, husbands yeah. off at war, just Keeping the family together.
0: Which, if you haven't, there's a really great book, um, and I will look up the author and have it for you by the end of the podcast. But it's called March, and it is it is basically Little Women told from the father's perspective off at war. It's very fairly short. I think it won the National Book Award. Um, and it, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. There, it is again. It's very short, but it's about this father's quest to get home, sort of sort of Odyssey like, but to get home and be reunited with his wife and children.
1: That's really cool. That kind yeah. of reminds me of the, the unofficial or the official sequel to Gone with the Wind called Scarlet. Have you heard yeah. that? That's what that kind of reminds me of is like kind of like sanctioned fanfic. Like <laughs> this was this was totally cool that it was written and published, but it's essentially fan fiction.
0: I mean, basically. Yeah.
1: Um, little Women, I will say, is one of those books that I just associate with moms in general. Yeah. My That was one of the books that my mom was always like, you have to read Little Women. And I feel like a lot of people probably had that experience. A, a lot of girls particularly probably had Little Women pushed on them by their mothers. I know that I did. And I know a lot of my friends did. And sure. it's just such a good book in general but it's a really i think it's a fun bonding experience for like i loved reading little women and then watching the movie with susan sarandon and his is kirsten dunst in that movie i think That's so <laughs> yeah it's a lot of really famous people Christian from the Bale. yes writer yes exactly yeah and the movie is really really good too um susan sarandon is a very good marmy. she does a great job in that film um but yeah no i think that it's It's just kind of one of those quintessential mother-daughter books. Absolutely. Um, It's really good to read.
0: Okay, I looked it up. Um, Geraldine (laughs) Brooks wrote it. I should have known that. Geraldine Brooks wrote it. It didn't, I said National Book Award. It won the Pulitzer, Oh, my gosh. in 2006 when it was published. And it is, uh, Mr. March, he's an abolitionist and a chaplain in the Army. Uh, He goes... What a good guy. Yeah, basically. uh, (laughs) He goes and he ends up getting sick um, because of the poor conditions on a cotton farm where they're stationed in Virginia. He... um, comes home, but he has a fair amount of PTSD as one would expect, um, and it apparently is is quite true to um, Bronson Alcott, uh, Louisa May's father, who was a noted abolitionist, I believe, of of his time. So, okay, it's definitely worth a read if you kind of want another perspective of Little Women or just the Civil War.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's a great historical novel. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a classic for a reason. I always tell people that. I'm just like when I recommend classics, I feel like people just kind of like it can be kind of like, oh yeah, you're just saying like, oh read Little Women because it's it's Little Women and everyone should. But no, I, books are classics for a reason. Absolutely, like, there's a reason that book has endured for as long as it has, and it's because it's phenomenal. Yes, <laughs> it's 100%. a delight. It's a delightful book. <laughs> Who else is on your fiction list? Uh, my fiction list, oh gosh, what do I have? Oh, Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Mm-hmm. when you think of literary moms, you think of Mrs. Bennett. Absolutely. period. Like she may not be the best. she tries her she tries her hardest. Um, I, one of the lines from the book is, tell me what you think of when you have four daughters or right. five daughters. And right. then, yeah, like, obviously she's obsessed with marriage and obsessed with marrying her daughters off because of the time period that she's living in. And the fact that she has five daughters. Totally. <laughs> like, and i, I think That's I all mean, she could think I about. I always
0: feel like the movie did a great job of portraying sort of her frantic need to have everybody have security. Kira Knightley or Colin Firth? Uh, Kier Knightley.
1: Keira, yes, I love I love the Joe Wright one. Yes, it's yes. it's a wonderful adaption of and,
0: it. And and I feel like Donald Sutherland as Mr. Bennett oh is God. wonderful. He's and, a delight. And, and there's a point where he's sort of like, look, I don't know what you mean to do with her. She she's doing it out of love. Yeah. Like, just deal with it, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, Ten thousand pounds a year is nothing to mess around with in yeah. Austin times, and so. You know, she means well. That's all you really need to know.
1: Exactly, yeah. She, she's doing her best with a, with a rough situation mm-hmm. that she has been dealt. I mean, if she even had, like, I mean, they, they're trying to marry off the, one of their daughters to their cousin because if they don't, the farm will go yeah. away. They will lose their property because they do not have a son to inherit it. Absolutely. Um, which is a very real problem. She wants to make sure that her daughters don't end up penniless and homeless. I mean, that that was the very real consequence of not of not seeing them married off well. Yeah,
0: Wait, we you would have a sense and sensibility situation. Exactly.
1: Yeah, nobody wants that. Can't all
0: rely on Colonel Brandon to come in and <laughs> say Oh my it gosh.
1: Today. Speaking of really great portrayals, Alan Rickman is Colonel Brandon in the film version oh, of that yeah. movie. Oh my gosh. Nothing better. He's a great Colonel Brandon, he's amazing.
0: Another on my fiction list was Sally Owens from Practical Magic. Which is amazing. Um, it's such a fantastic book. I think a lot of people immediately jump to the movie because the movie came out just a few years after the book came out. And mm-hmm. the movie is either one of those, like, I love it or I hated it kind of situations. Yeah, um, The book is just, I have actually not yet to see the movie, but the book oh, is phenomenal. I
1: haven't. I watch it every Halloween. It is my my Halloween viewing. It's like the perfect fall movie because it's set in this, like, Beautiful, rustic, like New England England village, and the leaves are. And Sandra Bullock wears all these great fuzzy cardigans, and it's just like it's perfect. It's perfect fall viewing, I will say.
0: Peak mom in a lot of
1: things. Yeah. I'm I'm obsessed with both the book and the film of of Practical Magic. I've watched Practical Magic probably a hundred times in my lifetime. I've, like, since I was a child up until last Halloween. (laughs) If I watched it last.
0: And the last. book is great too because is. I don't feel like a lot of people. Magical realism is often thought of as being something that a lot of Spanish writers take on, but Alice Hoffman does it incredibly well and sort of blends this. It's almost like um, like its own brand of American mm-hmm. uh, mystical uh, mystical realism. And she's so great. Um, Sally Owens is such a great mom trying to take care of both her children, her daughters who are very different. Mm-hmm. Does She have daughters in the movie too, or is it yes. just okay?
1: Yes, she does. And then
0: her sister who shows up, who's kind of a Oh. Uh- what's the word I'm looking for? screw-up. Her sister's a screw-up. She's up. a
1: big screw-up, yeah.
0: And she shows up, and so she's kind of trying to keep everybody on the straight and narrow. And then uh, another running thread, they have these ants who raise them, um, Aunt Fran and Aunt Jet, mm-hmm. and they're they're pretty wild and fun. They're and like everybody's idea of a great hippie aunt to have. I will say,
1: plug, for the, plug for the movie, the ants are portrayed by Stocker Channing, and Diane Weiss. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than Which that. is, oh my God, they're so good in that movie. And one of Sandra Bullock's daughters is portrayed by a very tiny Evan Rachel Wood. Oh! <laughs> she's very small in it um, well, and they really
0: often just wrote a prequel that's mm-hmm. from the Ants' point of view. Yes. So if you like Practical Magic and you want to know more of what happened to the Ants, definitely check out the sequel. Yes. Um, another one of mine, not technically a book mom, but one of my all-time heroes, both this character and in real life, the actress who portrays her, um, Elaine Miller from Almost Famous. <laughs> uh, for those unfamiliar, Almost Famous is the based, loosely based, maybe more firmly based um, autobiographical movie Cameron Crowe actually as a teenager was on the road and followed with Rolling Stone he got a job as a writer for Rolling Stone and followed like Allman Brothers and uh, I think Led Zeppelin for a time and had all these crazy experiences and his mom this his character in the film uh the mother is portrayed by Frances McDormand who can do no wrong ever I love her um she has an amazing just litany of one-liners, she pops up. One of my favorite is Adolescence is a Marketing Tool. (laughs) Uh, And then she just has a moment where she just schools this rock star on the phone about being an adult. And she has no use for this hippie crowd that her daughter's fallen in with and that her son is now running off with. You know, she is trying her best as a single mom to make her kids be successful. She has no nonsense. She loves her children fiercely. And she doesn't want anyone to lead, you know, her kids down the bad path. She wants them to enjoy... Um, this time in their lives and not make choices that will you know, threaten their future. And I just love her. She's funny, but also very caring. And even when she's laying into this rock star, there's this undertone of like, I'm going to give you the lecture that your mother probably never did, but somebody's mom's got to give you this lecture. Um, so I just love her. And and I love Frances McDormand in general, who I recently read an interview with her and she talked about, someone asked her about her, her laugh lines, the mm. lines around her eyes. And um, she has a son who is an adult now, but named Pablo and she said why would I get rid of these Pablo gave them to me which Aww. I think is absolutely beautiful <laughs> what a mom
1: thing to say right
0: she's peak mom <laughs> that's really great love me some Frances so McDormand,
1: I want to so. jump off of Frances McDormand really quickly yes and just say that she plays another great mom who is based on a literary mom well I, I say mom, mom figure mm-hmm. based on a literary mom figure in a film, uh, Madeline. She plays Miss Clavel in the Madeline movie adaptation. Is she? Yes. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, which I loved as a child. And you were you were talking about Frances McDormand as this mom, and I was just like, oh, I, I remember that movie so fondly from yeah. when I was a child. Um, I haven't rewatched it in a really long time, but I remember Frances McDormand as Miss Clavel so yeah. clearly. Um, and she just does a great job in that role. And Miss Clavel is such a great mother figure um, in the Madeline sure. picture books. Um, I mean, obviously they're they're picture books, so like n- there's not a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of stuff going on in them. But I mean, if you're a, if you're a child and you read them, I think everybody remembers the first Madeline book when she has yeah. to go and get her appendix taken Absolutely. out. Absolutely, Miss Clavel. Yeah, her. yeah. So that was a little tangent. I was well, just and thinking Francis about Frances McDormand, McDormand just won an
0: Oscar for playing a mother. That's three true. Three billboards. Totally different, darker, darker film than Madeline, <laughs> but um, but still great as well.
1: Did you see her Met Gala outfit? I did. <laughs> For those who didn't, her head was covered in blue butterflies. We could
0: do a whole podcast (laughs) on my feelings about the Met Gala and, and how I just feel like every year there are one or two celebrities who just really nail it, and I look forward to them. I don't really know much about... The themes of the Met Gala, yeah. but I always look, I have to see what Rihanna's gonna wear. I just
1: keep looking at pictures of Zendaya as Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc. For those <laughs> amazing. The amazing. Met Gala is something
0: that, it's, it's a it's a party that the Metropolitan Mutin Museum of Art hosts every year in New York City, and it is usually they're unveiling a new um, costume um,
1: exhibit. And this year, the theme was. It was like the th- the influence of Catholicism on fashion, or something yes, like that. Yes, and the Catholic Church sanctioned it. Yes. They were a
0: part of it. They loaned a lot of garments for so mm-hmm. so the the dress code was basically like come as a as a famous cath figure in Catholic history. It and was
1: Google's in diet at the Met Gala. And Zendaya came it. Joan of
0: Arc. The dress was very stylized. Yes. Like, chain like armor like, like armor yeah, yeah. and then Rihanna cool. came as the pope
1: yes and uh that's all i those two were all i needed chadwick boseman was good too
0: chadwick boseman did look
1: yeah cool. black panther was really really looking good and, and his, his gold loafers yes and his yes. solid white like floor like uh, this is a yes. this is a really big tangent from our Podcast about mothers, but Frances McDormand looked great.
0: Absolutely, she did. She did, and she had an amazing pose, and she it was did. all around. It was all around wonderful.
1: Yes, it's
0: fine. Brianna and Zendaya's are, are ladies who have mothers. It's who true. Probably very proud of them, and there they're you. they're tough. Tied it back in. That's right. All right. Got back on track. Okay. Do we do we finish our fiction moms?
1: I think that that's all the fiction moms okay. I have. Yeah, I think I. Well, I I do have. I have a couple of other fiction moms, but they're bad moms. I don't know if we want to save the bad moms for last. Yeah, no, let's save bad moms for last. Yeah, because there's... I mean, I'm sure that everybody realizes... Try and think of some literary moms, and you'll think of the bad ones first. It's mostly bad. Yeah, there are a lot of bad moms. <laughs> Nobody writes about there. good moms, really. It's true. <laughs> like, it's true. It's really... It was kind of an exercise in frustration trying to trying to compile a list of some really good good literary moms. Um, but there's there's lots of bad ones to talk about. I
0: also tried to... And this is a... Something that would require a lot more thought on, but when you look at when I when I was trying to come up with my list, um, and I thought, wow, this just it's a lot of a lot of Caucasian white women on here and I, I googled I yeah, sort of looked like okay well let me help me help jog my memory I think of like mothers of color mm-hmm. there are not a lot out there I
1: know well that's why I wanted to make sure I put a son on the list even though it's kind of a bummer it's just like thank God for N.K. Jemison writing, writing the people of color and, and there's a <laughs> the mom novels. in
0: uh, Raisin in the Sun comes up yes. um, there are a couple of moms and some Tony pieces some work by Tony Morrison that come up but on the whole it is a little bit harder to find I don't know why authors just don't tend to it, it, they don't tend to get i guess maybe even the appreciation yeah uh, in in mainstream coverage so i will say'm sure they're out there yeah. i just don't know i just haven't found a lot of them
1: we i, I will say i considered talking about beloved but that would um, have been an even darker turn than me talking about the the, the broken earth trilogy so that's i true. i didn't think that anybody wanted to hear me talk about beloved i could but let's not let's so not go there when
0: we get to nonfiction, i i will we'll go ahead and jump in and i'll talk about my angelou because she has a couple um mm-hmm. one of hers is called mom and me and mom and she had a very difficult relationship with her mother, and this is about their relationship and how they were estranged for a long time, and then they had kind of a reconciliation. It's a really great read. She also has um, Mother, A Cradle to Hold Me, and that's just a book of poetry about moms that'd probably be a great gift, a Mother's Day gift, if you're still looking for something last minute. Uh, Maya Angelou's got your back. Um, One thing I found really interesting, I I, I didn't know this until I was um, jotting down, I wanted to find the full title of her work, but her grandson was abducted when he was small her her son and her daughter-in-law had divorced and her son had primary custody and the daughter-in-law had the son like one weekend a month and one weekend she just didn't come home and he was gone for four years oh my god and he was on like this was in the early 80s he was on like milk cartons and and stuff like that and they were finally able to track them down and be reunited and Her son had also been in a horrible car accident as a child, and this, like, triggered... He was, again, paralyzed after this for for several months and had to relearn how to walk again. But it's sort of... The stuff that I read about it, it was her as a mother trying to mother her son to get better, um, and then as a grandmother trying to search out her son. But then when they're reunited, they don't actually press charges on the mother, um, on the the birth mother uh, of the little boy... She tells her she tells her son, there is a, a bond formed in the womb between mother and child that you in putting her in jail, one is never gonna get those four years back and it's never gonna break this bond. And so I think the mom got like five years probation and then eventually was able to reestablish visitation and even have like vacations with the, with the child again. Oh, wow. um, so it was really it was really interesting. And to read um, my I actually ended up looking up some interviews uh, from my angelou on the time when when the son, when the grandson was found. About her relationship with the daughter-in-law and her son, and to have lived the life that she had lived already up to that point, I feel like just gave her so much strength to really be the big bigger person in all of it, and and do what was best for 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 her son, for her grandson, for her grandson's mother, all of it. It's really fascinating, and yeah. she never she never wrote um, like a book about that that I'm aware of. But I I, I almost kind of
1: wish that. She had. Yeah, that's fascinating. I had no idea. I didn't I had until I started doing this. uh, No, that's really interesting. uh Huh. Huh. I mean, I guess that it makes sense that she didn't write about it since she did primarily write about her own experiences. She may have felt that that wasn't privacy. Yeah. yeah,
0: Privacy concerns, I'm sure. For for the
1: little boy who
0: by the time she would have been able to write about it, it would have been entering adolescence, and that's sort of awkward.
1: So. Yeah. But, yeah, Good for her yeah, for, for not doing it. Right. <laughs> I'm sure that she would have done it great justice, but that, that takes some restraint, I think, to have such a phenomenal story that you could tell and just be like, no, I'm going gonna to al- yeah. leave that one alone. I'm going to walk away. <laughs> um, so much to Jenny's chagrin, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to yet again plug one of my favorite books that I read last year, um, The Bright Hour by Nina Riggs. Um, I know that uh, Jenny's, Jenny's not a fan of the, the cancer memoir, as, as it were, as a, as a genre, um, but it's just a beautiful book, and I sound like a broken record every time I talk about this book. Um, it is it is a book written by Nina Riggs, it's a memoir, um, she is a poet, and when she was 38 years old, um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer um, and she had two young sons at the time they were kind of like early preteens like like nine 10 11 um, and basically the the book is written in vignettes it's kind of just like these bits and pieces of her finding these these bright spots and these these light-hearted moments um, after her diagnosis um, and it's it's really just kind of, it's like a love letter to her sons it's really beautiful um, and you can you can just Feel how much she cares about them in the book. She was she was just a beautiful writer. Um, she's actually the what is it, great 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 granddaughter of Ralph Waldo Emerson. Yeah. Um, and man, can that family write? Because she's just <laughs> amazing. It's got some of the most beautiful prose. You can always tell um when a memoir or a novel is written by a poet, um because they just have the most beautiful like turns of phrases, um and they just really have such a command of the English language. And it's for for something as as kind of striking and somber as, um, literally, it's it's a memoir of her dealing with her breast cancer, and she's actually going through it at the same time as her mother. Um, so there's kind of that extra layer in it as well. So it's it's her going through this experience with her mother at the same time as trying to parent her two young sons, um, and it's just it's just beautiful. It's surprisingly surprisingly not as heavy as you might think. Um, she, she really does focus on finding those bright spots, finding, finding those moments of levity in the situation. Um, and you can tell she was just such a wonderful person. And I do want to say as well, um, since the last time that I plugged this book on the podcast, which probably wasn't that long ago, um, her widower and the widow of Paul Kalanithi, who wrote um, When Breath Becomes Air, which is a, a memoir of his his journey with brain cancer they have actually like come together and they're they're in a relationship now that's so weird which I think is so beautiful it's really lovely they both seem like really lovely people there's an article about it I believe it was it was either in the New Yorker or the the New York Times or the Washington Post I don't remember which one but there is an article about about their relationship that kind of developed afterwards um Nancy or Nina Riggs I believe um, reached out to Paul Kalanithi's widow um, while she was still alive, and they they spoke at length, and they became really good friends, and so then once Nancy, or I keep calling her Nancy, once Nina Riggs passed away, um, her husband reached out to Lucy Kalanithi, Paul Kalanithi's widow, and they struck up a friendship, and then they ended up being in this relationship, and then they have this cute little blended family, and I just think it's very sweet. Um, it's, it's a really lovely, a lovely piece about their relationship, and I will say as well, Nina Riggs wrote a really beautiful essay. Um, this was for the New York Times. It was for their relationship section and it was um it was something about a couch I can't remember that ex- the exact title of the article but it was for a while she became obsessed with finding the perfect couch for her family and she was just like I'm gonna be gone and this, we need to find this couch while I'm still here because my husband doesn't know anything about picking out couches and it was just kind of like this hill that she <laughs> needed to like to figure out. She was like, he's not going to know what to do. I need to find them this perfect couch to remember me by. And it was like she became fixated on this couch. Um, And it's a really beautiful essay. Um, I believe that um, it's excerpted from the book. So if you wanted to to read The Bride Hour, which I highly recommend that you do, Um, If you want a good cry at the end. Um, It's really beautiful. If you want to read a memoir
0: about motherhood, but you think this sounds awful, (laughs) as I do, and you don't want to subject yourself to the emotional trauma, I highly recommend Anne Lamott's Operating Instructions, A Journey of My Son's First Year. Uh, Anne Lamott is known primarily, she has a couple of fiction works, but she's known primarily as an essayist, and she Mm -hmm. often writes about faith. Um, she's very funny, she's got a very biting sense of humor. She was an alcoholic who found herself uh pregnant and kind of not sure what to do. She cleaned up her act, became a single mom, and uh it's it's a great actually gift, I think, to any friend who's expecting a child because it she talks about those times and you're like, what the heck am I doing? And the moments that are just so beautiful but also so painful, and it's just a great read. Um, Some other nonfiction that I love, um, Jen Hatmaker is another person kind of known mostly I think for her social media presence as well as her books. Mm -hmm. She's kind of in that trio of like her and Glennon Doyle Melton and Brene Brown and they're all kind of, they all kind of pal around on the internet and they're bloggers but they do other things, they all have books. She has two essays that I go back to all the time. Um, She and her husband are what I would probably consider well-to-do suburbanites in Austin. They had three kids. They decided they wanted to adopt two children. They adopted um, a little girl and a little boy from Ethiopia. And up to that point, she says that she really felt like racism was dying. It wasn't a thing. You know, she she was very kind of lived with rose-colored glasses. And then having a child, having children, but particularly having a black son, she said she really kind of, her eyes were open to what the what the life what life is really like um, for people of color, and so when Trayvon Martin was killed, she wrote an essay called "Dear Trayvon's Mom," and it is from one mother to another about the pain. Of it, Jen Hatmaker basically saying, "I'm so sorry, you know this pain that you're of losing your child. I can't even imagine." She goes on to talk about um, struggles of raising a black son and how the world sees them. And, and when she's writing, at the time, her son was like probably seven or eight. And she mm-hmm. says, Ben is wonderful and everyone loves him because he's adorable and he's little. But what's going to happen when he starts to get bigger? Sure. And how is the world going to react to him? And it's a beautiful read. It's a really honest read. Um, and I highly recommend it. She's also written a lot about... Um, International adoption and interracial adoption. So if you're, if, you know, in a family c- contemplating adoption or you you have an adoption situation, she's got some good thoughts on that. Her other one is complete into the spectrum, other end of the spectrum. It's called Worst End of School Year Mom Ever, and it is hysterical. And I read it every year, particularly now that I have a kid who's just in preschool. But like the, by the end of the school year, all of your care is gone. You're just hanging on by thread. Um, and she talks about just you're just like just trying to get through the last couple weeks and the, the roller coaster and um my I had I thought of that again this week my son uh, is preschool they have little they're supposed to bring their snack they have lunch boxes for lunch but they're supposed to bring their snack in these little paper bags little paper sacks and we ran out of paper sacks so joe literally went to preschool this week with a ziplock a gallon ziplock bag that I'd scrawled in sharpie joe lewis snack and then the inside had like a mini bag of goldfish crackers and just like a box of juice and I was like you know what here it is good Gold enough bag. you know like it is what it is yeah um we're just gonna roll with it yeah so because my he's got like two weeks left I'm, like, I'm not gonna buy a whole bag of paper sacks just nah. for that why would these, you I've got these freezer bags lying around we'll just use that yeah so Highly recommend um, Jen Hatmaker and Anne Lamott if you if you need something a little bit lighter hearted. Sure, sure. Um I
1: mean that's I don't only read really sure. heavy stuff. I just enjoy it on occasion. Um I will also put in a plug, this book has not been released yet. Um we have lots of other titles by this author in the library system. Um her name is Lucy Nicely. Um she is a graphic novelist. Um she writes memoirs in graphic novel form. Um, she's got some really wonderful ones. French Milk, which is a, a graphic novel about her time that she spent um, in France on a trip with her mother. Um, Relish is a really, really good one. It's kind of the story of her learning to cook, and she's got lots of recipes in it, and it's really... Uh, she, her illustrations are really adorable. Um, but next year, she does have a book coming out called Kid Gloves, um, which has just been announced, and like the cover has been released and everything. Um, but she Lucy Nicely has a very large Instagram presence, um, and she Instagrams a lot of her son pal um and kid gloves is the story of her her struggles to to get pregnant to to carry a baby to term and then the story of her she had a really difficult pregnancy and and birth with her son pal um, so it's i'm anticipating it will be very lovely um I've, I've enjoyed all of her graphic novels that she has has come out with um, so i'm hoping that that one will be just as delightful like i said um, her illustrations are really really sweet she does really kind of simplistic um just cute illustrations, so I'm I'm looking forward to reading that one. Um, I follow I follow her on Instagram, so I see I see her kid a lot, and he's very cute. He looks like she she compares him a lot to Chris Farley. Um, he looks like a, he's got a very little round face and like very blonde hair and a bowl cut, and he's just he's super cute. So I'm really looking forward to that. Like I said, it's not coming out um, anytime soon. It comes out in early 2019, I think.
0: Other book coming out this fall, um, not released yet, but also about one of my favorite moms, Mm. Michelle Obama, has a book coming out. Oh, that's
1: right. That was just announced recently. Literally
0: just announced, and she's actually going to be the keynote speaker at the American Library Association Conference in June in New Orleans. I don't know anybody who signed up for ALA this year,
1: and yet now I know everybody wants to go to ALA this year. so great. I would love to see her speak in person. She's so eloquent and just poised and mm-hmm. beautiful. I think her book will be phenomenal. Oh, She'll I'm sure. She'll probably do a
0: book tour as well, I would imagine.
1: Oh, so. yeah, yeah, no, that wouldn't surprise me at all. She's great. Um, that Yeah, that's going to be a really good one. Um, other uh, nonfiction moms, this is kind of like a gentle seg into not great moms. of uh, The Glass sure. Castle by Jeanette oh, Walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that Recently had a movie come out. Um, I don't remember who played her mother in the movie. I know Woody Harrelson played the, her father in The Glass Castle. Um, but... I think that the Glass Castle is so fascinating, so many people love it and, and keep going back to it because her relation Jeanette Walls' relationship with her parents is so complicated mm-hmm. and fraught. Um, they are what you would probably consider bad parents, but Jeanette Walls doesn't doesn't necessarily portray them or, or think that they're bad parents. They do bad things, but she has such beautiful memories, um, every now and then from her childhood that I, I, I don't think that just calling Jeanette Walls' parents bad is is Fully grasping the situation that she grew up in. Naomi Watts is the mom. Naomi Watts, that's right. I knew that it was somebody. Somebody I knew. Yeah,
0: but the amazing thing about it is that I think about that book is that it's it sort of you find out you sort of it's a slow realization that the parents are are flawed. Yeah. Because as children, they seem magical. Exactly. Just as they, just as I'm sure they did to Jeanette, right? These mm-hmm. magical parents, and then as they as she gets older and starts to have she more contact, to she starts to realize. My parents are not. Great parents, <laughs> no. they have a lot of demons they're fighting, yeah. Um, and the other amazing thing, I think people see sort of the synopsis and think it's a downer, it's absolutely not a downer book, it's, it's really not. She has no pity for herself whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, she's it's just the
1: fact of how she grew up, it absolutely is. Yeah.
0: And it's it's a great read if you have a parent with mental illness, I, I can't recommend it enough. Another great one, oddly enough, um, if you have a parent with mental illness, if Mother's Day is not a happy time for you, um, Tiffany. Um, Haddish's book, Last Black Unicorn, um, her mother was in a car accident when she was young and had some brain damage that triggered schizophrenia. Oh, gosh. And then she became abusive.
1: I haven't read that book yet, but I really want to.
0: It's really great. I highly recommend the audio. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, uh, to hear her and, and she all these moments of levity where she's, you know, she's funny because she's, she's Tiffany Haddish, she's hilarious. She's a delight. But she's also talking about having a mother who's abusive and eventually lost custody of her and and even as an adult, their difficult relationship because sure. it is impossible to have a relationship with a parent um, who has the type of illness that her mother has and Tiffany is still struggling with that. So it's a it's a really good
1: read. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that there's... There's a lot of worth to to books that have kind of these challenging portrayals of of typical mother figures. Uh, I think that's what Jeanette. I haven't read the last the last Black Unicorn, but I think that that's what Jeanette Walls does so well um, in in the Glass Castle in her portrayal of her parents. Is she's very careful to withhold judgment. Yeah. Um. She's she's very aware of the fact that her parents, while not normal, and while not the best parents they had a lot of problems. Sure. Um, They weren't fully in control of a lot of the things that they were doing at any given time. I remember reading an article. I haven't seen the the movie version of The Glass Castle, but I remember reading an article that said that Naomi Watts did such a great... There's this really horrifying scene at the beginning of the book and at the beginning of the movie when um Jeanette Wall's character once um she wanted to make herself a hot dog for lunch and her mom is busy painting so she she makes Jeanette do it herself and she's she was like four or five at the time and she ends up spilling this entire pot of boiling water all over herself and it's like if you can still make that mother who let her daughter do that to herself out as just a decent person just trying her best like that's that's a that's pretty incredible. It's a pretty incredible amount of empathy that Jeanette Absolutely. Walls is able to able to have towards her parents Absolutely. because that's a horrifying thing to to have like let happen to your daughter when she was four years Go boil a pot of water by yourself, um, good luck. And obviously, I mean, it didn't turn out great. So yeah, no, I think it's it's a really it's a great book. Um, and like Jenny said, it's not it's not a downer.
0: No, it's actually it's pretty poetic.
1: It really is. Yeah. So
0: those are our picks for Mother's Day. We hope you all have a wonderful Mother's Day. Um, also, want to put in a quick plug for a summer reading, or as we were calling it this year, read y'all, mm-hmm. um, which we're really excited about. Um, I, I want to just take a mention moment to mention that. Summer reading we often think of for kids, but summer reading for the Lexington Public Library, it's kind of like those um, board games you see ages 0 to 99. That's how it is for us. Exactly. There's stuff for the smallest, tiniest babies. There's stuff for senior, senior citizens. It's, it's for every age. There are grand prize packs this year that are unbelievable. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and share some of them. Um, one of them is called Your Family Fun. It comes with a $100 Malibu Jack gift card, a gift, uh, a membership to the Arboretum Children's Garden. A uh, $50 Mad Potter gift certificate, $25 Papa John's gift card, so you can have some pizza for your game nights, and a $25 Grader's gift card. And then, like I said, all of these um, board games and a Frisbee and Sidewalk Chalk. So that's mm-hmm. a great one. And that's, again, anybody can register for the grand prizes. You can be a child and see that and think I'd love it. You can be an adult and say, hey, mm-hmm. I love playing board games. I
1: also, and so we've Santa got some Ford. really great sp- adult-specific ones as well. My favorite one is the Date Night one. Yes! Where we have got a, a gift card to a restaurant downtown, an Uber gift card, and... It's a hundred
0: dollar gift card yes. to Tony's. Yes. A hundred dollar gift card to Ticketmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a twenty-five dollar gift card to Uber. That's a good one. That's yeah, a really good one. <laughs> That's, That's a great a treat one. Treat yourself, mom and dad. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: uh, we have one called the Grill and Chill, and that comes with a Yeti Roadie cooler. I don't know anything about Yetis, but I've been told this is like the Mercedes of coolers. They're not cheap. <laughs> Uh, A Masters of the Grill cookbook, Buffalo Trace marinade, a bourbon barrel grill wood, and then a $25 Grader's gift card. Mm -hmm. Then there's one called Cook the Books that comes with a $200 Kroger gift card, a meal planning notepad, and it's a fancy notepad, guys. It's like a Kate Spade notepad. It's really nice. I
1: thought, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Culinary history of Kentucky book, classic Kentucky meals book, Kentucky fresh cookbook, and a read y'all tote. Um, The Downtown Date Night one, which Alexa mentioned. One called Let's Get Digital, which is an iPad mini, Bose wireless headphones, $25 gift cards to iTunes and Hulu, and a $30 Netflix gift card, as well as a Read Y'all Tote. And then one called Reader's Delight that comes with a $200 $200 Joseph Beth gift card. That's a lot of books, guys. Right? Um, A cool pennant, says Rebel Reader, lit chat cards, Charlie Harper book plates, a home library puzzle, and a read y'all tote. So these are amazing. Anyone can enter to win them. There are also some branch specific prizes for teens and children.
1: And your kids also get a free book, just like they do okay. every year. Any kid who, who comes in who with finishes. a completed log, you, you get uh, just to pick up a free book and take it home with you that day for yours to keep. Absolutely. And the really cool
0: thing this year is that you you can choose between a book that we have on our prize cart or a voucher to the Friends of the Library um, bookseller. Yes. Um, adults get the same thing. This is the first year that adults have gotten um, a book as a prize, too, which I think is really exciting. Mm-hmm. They also get a voucher to the, um, to the Friends, yeah. and they get to drop an entry in for one of these big grand prizes. So you don't want to miss out this year. So much fun stuff. We have Read Y'all bumper stickers at all the libraries. Um, we have keychains, we've got Cricut Press posters that are going to go up for sale in a little while. So you definitely want to stay tuned to our Facebook and our Instagram and our Twitter uh, to see all the fun stuff that's going on. Absolutely. Until next time, everybody, thanks. Thanks, guys.